Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm Alan Smith, along with Donna Smith, and today is Saturday, June 13th, 2015. Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, coming to you live from Citrus County, Florida. Appreciate you tuning in this evening as we once again take a look at what continues to be a problematic issue for many drivers within the trucking industry, and this having to do with false and harmful information reported by the carrier to the DAC reporting services against the driver. Now, Many of you know, I mean, I've written about and discussed this issue many times, but it's been a while since we have taken a look at the DAC services and these problems that many drivers face, and most importantly, what can be done about it. So our guests this evening are attorneys at law specializing in trucking issues, trucking employment law. Paul Taylor of Truckers Justice Center joins us again, and as many of you know, Paul has been fighting unethical carriers on behalf of commercial drivers for well over 20 years and is an expert in trucking employment law. He's a member of the National Employment Lawyers Association, and he's handled employment cases before the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the Minnesota Department of Human Rights, the U.S. Department of Labor, most of the U.S. Circuit Courts of Appeals, U.S. District Court for uh, Minnesota and Minnesota State and Supreme Courts, and he has also handled several cases at the U.S. Supreme Court level. And he's one of the few lawyers who understand how motor carriers are able to manipulate policies in order to uh, retaliate against truck drivers and is willing to take them on in the courtroom for the long haul. His uh, significant cases are a a testament to the courage few have shown to challenge motor carriers that abuse and attempt to destroy these driving careers. And uh, you can learn more about Paul Taylor and Truckers Justice Center by visiting truckersjustice.com. And also joining us this evening, first time on the show, is Attorney John Stanick. And boy, I hope I'm saying that name right, Donna. I think you are. We'll find out soon, he'll, though. I'm sure he'll correct <laughs> me if I'm not. And John is with the Stanick Law Firm, and he is also with FixMyDACReport.com. His law firm specializes in criminal defense and consumer law litigation, and Mr. Stanick has extensive courtroom experience representing individuals in both harassment, and credit reporting errors. His, uh, his website, FixMyDACReport.com, is devoted exclusively to truck drivers and DAC reports, and Mr. Stanick received his law degree from the University of Wisconsin in 2004, and you can learn more about our guest and his firm by visiting StanickLawOffice.com, and of course, links to both of our guest sites are included in our show's description as well for a little bit easier access, and we will be discussing 
the Service Transportation Assistance Act, the STAA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, uh, false DAC reporting by the carriers, of course, what you as a driver can do, and much more. So, Donna, you have your coffee all set? Yeah. Ready to go over there? <laughs> I'm all set. I'm all hyped. <laughs> Trucking law attorneys Paul Taylor and John Stanick are, I guess, our show this evening, STAA, Whistleblower Protection, Harmful Information on DAC Reports, and it's all coming up on Ask the Trucker Live. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. Uh, Paul Taylor of Truckers Justice Center, truckersjustice.com, John Stanek of Stanek Law Firm at stanicklawoffice.com, as well as fixmydacreport.com are our guests. And, uh, Paul, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us on a Saturday. Thank you, Alan and Donna both. <laughs> I mean, this is a great way to spend your Saturday, right? Well, I, the, the other part of my Saturday was just I'm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania with my son walking the battlefield today. So I'm taking oh, cool. a break from that to join you. So, uh, well, we appreciate uh, it. Glad to have my, you back. One of, my, one, of my, one of my other hobbies So besides practicing law is uh, so I'm sort of a Civil War buff. Yeah, I remember that. Good to be, and, good, good to be back. Yeah, glad to have you here. And, John, uh, first time on the show. Thanks for joining us. Did I get your name right, John? That's right, Stanek. Stanek. Oh, good. Got it right. Well, hey, we're yeah. glad to have you here and appreciate you being here on a Saturday, too. Uh, phone line's filling up, and I appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. If you have a question, our call-in number is 347-826-9170, and just press 1 on your phone at any time, and you'll pop up on my board here. But, uh, Paul, I guess let me let me start with you here real quick. You know, I, I think most people, you know, this has been in social media for a while and all the work you've been doing and everything. Most people understand the STAA, the whistleblower protection and everything. And, uh, you know, they still try to, you know, drivers still try to do this on their own and get this uh, false information or harmful information off their DAG report and still have uh, 
just great difficulty doing so, and a lot of times they just they don't achieve that. I mean, can you talk a little bit about these difficulties in correcting uh, the, these falsification or harmful things on the DAC reports? Well, I, I think what we have is a mentality both at higher right, which used to be called DAC services, and among trucking companies is that um, they really don't need to respond to a driver's request for investigation. And John, is, uh, his uh, experience with respect to um, consumer law is going to talk about that. But I think what we have is this knee-jerk uh, reaction by a trucking company where uh, higher right will contact them uh, with a dispute, and they just simply confirm it, and life goes on because uh, drivers are just going to accept that. They're either going to get out of the industry, get a crummy job, or simply aren't going to uh, sue them. And so um, I, I think that's just simply a mentality that plagues the industry. And, and frankly, I have often off and on been an advocate in the area of uh, helping clean up DAC reports, but it, it's been a lot more limited, and John has uh, sort of convinced me, well, actually has convinced me, based on his knowledge of consumer law, to start thinking outside the box. In the past, much of what my firm had done in, in trying to clean up DAC reports focused in the area of employment law. For example, um, we had a case called, uh, my firm had a case a few years ago called Cantor versus Maverick Transportation. This is Maverick on Little Rock, and my client had quit, but the company put an abandonment on his DAC report. And the DAC report, um, really the abandonment was his refusal after quitting to return a truck that had numerous violations of commercial vehicle safety regulations. Um, you know, a uh, hundred miles to a drop yard. He wasn't going to drive the truck because it was in violation. So, you know, my success has been in in the area of looking at employment related retaliation issues for cleaning up DAC reports as opposed to the um, Fair Credit Reporting Act. So I, I, I think the mentality is, has been in the industry that, well, this is just something that's, you know, the way it is, and, and nobody's going to change it. And John has convinced me, um, really, that uh, the angle of the Fair Credit Reporting Act is a is a real viable um, avenue to use, and that it can empower drivers. It's not going to, you know, if you have a failed drug test because you used cocaine, it's not going to be useful in that regard. But if there's certain things relating to um, for example, notations that say other or policy violations, things that traditionally are ones that have been more difficult to correct, that there there is an avenue there that can be successful to drivers and their attorneys in helping clean up the false and misleading information. The, the true information is going to stay. So. Right, right. I mean, you're not miracle workers. We've talked about that before. I mean, it's, I, I, I get emails all the time. I got an email not too long ago. A guy wanting help with his DAC report because he he went around the corner at a building at a shipper's house and the rear rear of the trailer caught the corner of the building and tore out some bricks and they put it on his DAC report and it's like you know well I mean it really happened there's so there's really there's really not much you can do about that so you're not miracle workers right that that is correct 
All right. Well, listen, uh, a lot of questions here. Now, John, um, how – I know you're, uh, you know, you're, you know. I was reading about your law firm and everything you did, and what we said in the intro and everything. But how, so how, how did you and your law firm get involved in trucking and 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 to help drivers? How did that come about? Mostly with my um, discussions with Paul. Um, you know, uh, when I first met Paul, he, he talked about the DAC reports, and I had no idea what a DAC report was, and. Um, I was first introduced to the FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, um, a, few, a few years ago. And um, uh, I had a client who came into my office and he had what's called a mixed file case where they had um, mixed her social security number with uh, a person that was deceased. And so they were, on her credit reports, they were reporting her as deceased. As a result, she got turned on for financing, a mortgage, and so it's uh, um, it's a great statute. Uh, last year or last last month, I went to um, the Fair Credit Reporting Act conference in Vegas, and they had record attendance. And I think what's so appealing about this statute is that it provides for punitive damages if the violation is willful. So it's uh, it's a great statute. And if there's anything I want your listeners to take away from this podcast is that the FCRA is a, a notice statute. It's not a per se violation if there's uh, inaccurate information. It's upon the consumer to or the trucker to dispute the air. And as long as the trucker disputes the air properly and they refuse to fix the air, then you have a remedy under the, the FCRA. Oh, hi, John. This is Donna. How are you? Hi, Donna. I'm good. Good. Okay. So I'm just trying to figure this out then. Um, so DAC then can uh, go under the uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act. Um, are you saying then that Higher Right can't take that stance that Paul was talking about where, you know, they pretty much blow everything off and say, yeah, that's okay? I mean, how does this work differently now? You know, going—it's like walking through a different door to address the same problem. Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, a violation to—it's—it's it's not proper to do what they call parroting. In other words, let's say uh, a trucking company responds to to a, an investigation, and higher right cannot just. Um, assume that information is correct. They have an obligation to do their own investigation. And the actual language they use in the FCRA for the reporting agency is reinvestigation. So it's not okay to just parrot what the trucking company tells them. Okay, and in the past they have, right? Correct. And then there were some cases that said you cannot do that, and that changed that changed everything. And, and uh, Donna, perhaps you could have John explain how the process of initiating a dis- how a driver would initiate a dispute with DAC, and then John could explain what DAC or higher right has to do, and then what the trucking company needs to do. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to move to next because the disputing process, and they have it on their website. You know, start the dispute here. 
But, I mean, you can send a dispute to the credit reporting agency. You can send one to DAC. You can send one to the employer. Uh, you can send one, to, I guess, to the fair credit reporting, whatever. I mean, so, John, where in this long dispute process, where does a driver begin? What, what order should they take? Sure, it's fairly simple, and all they need to do is file their dispute or send their dispute to, to DAC. And I advise they send it by certified mail. And that should be good enough sending their dispute to DAC alone. However, I advise people that they should um, send a copy of that dispute to uh, the furnisher, you know, the, the trucking company, for, for DAC purposes. And then that triggers a 30-day um, timeline where DAC has to take action. Or they notify the, the trucker that they're not taking action. And then... It's, you know, it's, like I said, it's a, it's a notice statute, so a lot of times if there's a cause of action, um, that cause of action is based upon how many times DAC and the furniture were notified. So the more notices, the more disputes, the better. And, and when okay, that so dispute is, it, is an, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to ask a question. Well, but, once ahead. a dispute is initiated, then by DAC that they contact the carrier, the carrier has to perform a, an inv a reinvestigation of the dispute. The carrier does the investigation, DAC does the reinvestigation. Reinvestigation. And, and so okay, now in the, the past... Par the par the, go ahead. No, I, I, in the past, I just wanted to ask, in the past, they... We've always been under the assumption that it didn't act like uh, a regular credit card. It, like, you know, um, who are they now? Equifax and TransUnion, all those. Yeah. That it didn't work the same way, that the carrier did not have to prove anything. It was up to the driver to prove. But now what I'm hearing tonight is different. Is that what you're saying? The burden of proof is on the, on the carrier, the furnisher, correct? That's correct. They have an obligation to verify the dispute. But I can see a lot of to have a dispute, but they have to investigate. If there's a dispute initiated, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Paul. There's just a little delay. That's that's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, the carrier has once that dispute is initiated by the driver, higher right slash DAC contacts the motor carrier. They have to investigate. I mean, a driver can build information to submit as part of that, obviously, but the carrier is required then to investigate, and the failure to investigate or DAC's failure to reinvestigate would create in the driver a cause of action for violation of the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which is John's area of expertise. So how did they get away with it before? That's what I'm trying to figure out, because nobody was aware of this? Nobody was suing them. Okay. I think that's right. Now, when, I, when, I attended, when I attended that conference, um, there was a few um, people brought up higher right a few times, but there was no discussions about that report specifically. I think it's kind of um, it's it's there, but it's 
not well known in the consumer uh, law area. And, and I think secondarily is that a lot of lawyers don't have familiarity with trucking-related issues. Now, John and I, um, John has some area in uh, trucking expertise. Uh, he has uh, done where trucking litigation with my firm, our firms of joint forces, and some cases, and he has some knowledge, and I have knowledge. And I'm not sure lawyers without some knowledge of how the trucking industry works really knows what it means to have an abandonment on a DAC report or a company policy violation and things of that nature um, and or a notation that says other. And so um, that's why we've, at Truckers Justice Center, decided, and I posted this on my Facebook page, that we decided to take a, a fresh look at trying, thinking outside the box. John came to my office. He and I have been having this discussion for about six months. Um, I knew him uh, through another organization and uh, knew he was had, had some consumer law experience, and I said, and uh, I said, come down and make a presentation to my staff and me and tell us how this can work and how we can help drivers by our firms working together, sometimes separately, sometimes together, but how I can take my trucking expertise and couple it with his knowledge of uh, the Fair Credit Reporting Act and an attempt to assist drivers. I, I will tell you, Alan, and it probably will come no, as no surprise to you and Donna that I get at least, on average, three calls a day from drivers with DAC report problems. And I, I you know, even now working together with John's firm, I can't help them all. But in, in right. sometimes it's a matter of okay, here's what you need to put in there. And the the leading frustrate the leading problem we have think are notations that are work record other and work record company policy violation because they lack any specificity and it, it how does the driver rebut that and uh, uh, John it has some knowledge in how the Fair Credit Reporting uh, Act requires the um, that the report ensure the greatest accuracy possible. So. That box of other, and tell me, tell yes. me if this is just a, a you know, a, a false rumor. But I remember reading, oh, years ago, that when that box was checked, it was almost like a secret code um, amongst carriers, meaning this driver's trouble. Now, have you ever yeah, heard that? That's a great well, point. Well, not you know, only Paul that. Go ahead. Discussion about that, ahead, about John. other, and I believe it's a violation because it's it's kind of code, secret code that it stands for something else, like you just mentioned, Donna. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so it is true. I mean, I mean, it is. I've had testimony from an expert witness, our, our friend. Uh, James McCormick for Trucking Careers of America was my expert uh, witness in a case against Prime where Prime had put on a driver's DAC report, work record, other. And uh, mm-hmm. personal contact requested is another one, is a buzzword. And um, 
those things are are buzzwords for hey this driver is trouble and uh, it certainly okay. lacks any specificity in it and which is uh, you know at least the fair credit reporting act requires accuracy if it's true it better be accurate it cannot be misleading and and work record other is a misleading term so do they address that then is is that something that gets addressed if 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 there's a dispute in that box is checked um have, i think you're going to have to walk this is brand new john and paul i mean I, I don't know about you, Alan, but this is like great news for drivers um, to know that this is uh, now available and and no longer is the burden of proof on the driver, which we've always thought that that's you know what it was going to take. So just help us a, a little bit through this this process of when you like when you said they've never been sued who's never been sued higher right you mean for well, for not, not very much. Not, not 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 the motor carriers not higher right very much i mean occasionally i've had claims against the carriers but um the uh other notation understand burden of proof is a legal term okay so it it's it's more or less you know if they don't meet their burden what's our remedy our remedy is to go into court because the information is inaccurate or it's misleading you know, you could have things that are nominally accurate, but are in fact misleading. Um, so, um, you know, the remedy has always been there. It's just something that um, we haven't been using in the industry. Those of us who represent drivers. And um, so, Donna, if I got that call about other, I would tell the driver to dispute it, dispute it with higher right, and and see what they say. And if they don't have a good reason for others, then they have to remove it. Okay. And if, I mean, you said in the past um, that the higher right would just say, okay, we've confirmed everything. I mean, if they blow off that whole thing, I mean, then what's the next step with higher right? It's to, you know, part of this is building a record, and it's to ask them frankly point out where they're wrong and give them opportunities because if it's a willful violation then there's a potential for punitive damages if it's not a willful violation there's still a remedy to correct the DAC report and recover attorney's fees okay now uh, I was always under the impression that you could have a rebuttal however the original um allegation would still be on the report is that still true john do you want to handle that one i would think sure i think it would have to be removed any old information any obsolete information outdated information should be removed okay but, but they, because... they could if they could if they confirm the information if if the uh request for reinvestigation is out there DAC has the duty to reinvestigate. They go to the carrier, the carrier investigates, reconfirms it. It can still stay on the DAC report unless there's litigation, which if it's false or misleading, we're prepared in certain cases to litigate it. But it can still stay on there, and the rebuttal would still stay on the DAC report. So, I mean, that, that we're, we're not here, again, to, to be miracle workers, but there is a remedy for that false and misleading information. 
All right, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, how to, you know, how to send a, a, uh, you know, a good re rebuttal. Let me let me grab a caller here real quick. Been here since the very beginning. Uh, let's go to Illinois, area code six three zero. Thanks for holding, and welcome to the show. Hi, it's Bob Stanton, and why don't we just hold my question till they're further in, because it's sort of dealing with EEOC and um, Americans with Disabilities Act stuff. Uh, well, go I'm ahead. okay go talking ahead about the, that. Yeah, go ahead and ask the question. I'll have you on now. Okay. Well, again, I work with truck drivers who are dealing with sleep apnea, so we regularly deal with um, either failure to provide reasonable accommodations, but the bigger problem is drivers terminated for noncompliance on their CPAP machine, and Sometimes the noncompliance is not willful by the driver. It's a medically related thing, and our problem has been getting appropriate information into their DAC. Um, any thoughts on how to approach that? Well, I'll, I'll let John in a minute deal with the DAC issue. Um, first of all, the, ADA, the courts have held that sleep apnea is not a qualified disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act. People don't like that when I tell them that, but I'm, I'm a fairly blunt lawyer, as those who have dealt with me know. A disability, Congress, when it passed the Americans with Disabilities Act, said you cannot be discriminated in employment on the basis of a disability, which is a qualified disability, okay, which uh, can be corrected with a reasonable accommodation provided an employee can meet all the essential qualifications of the job. So Congress left it up to the courts to decide what's a reasonable accommodation, what are the essential qualifications of the job, and what's a qualified disability. And the case law that's developed is a, a qualified disability is one that's permanent, not correctable. So since sleep apnea is correctable with a CPAP machine, then it does not has not does not qualify under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Now, as to I, the I, issue, I, I'm of, sorry to interrupt. Is that the is that still current after the amendments Congress made to the ADA in uh, 2008 2010 era? Because that we've that, that is fully worked with EEOC. And their answers have been that sleep, you know, in the after the amendments, sleep apnea was a covered disability. As that, so we've got. I'm getting two different sets of information from different lawyers. Okay. Well, I, I I will tell you, I'm not an expert in the area of the ADA, but that's my understanding is that it is not a qualified disability. Now, if it were, and there could be splits of case law, sometimes one court federal court will rule one way and one will rule another or EOC could rule a certain way and the court could overturn it. Um, there's always the issue of a reasonable accommodation. So that comes into who pays. So if it costs X amount of money, courts will determine that that's not a reasonable accommodation. If it means getting, uh, you know, somebody who operates a computer at a desk, a, um, a, a new chair, that's one thing. If it requires somebody to, the motor carrier, to provide the sleep apnea equipment, 
I do not know how the courts would rule on whether or not that's a reasonable accommodation. Okay. What we've dealt with is just a reasonable accommodation of permission to install an inverter oh. to convert 12 volt to 110 volt to power the machine. Well, I, I don't know problem, why that. Though, I, yeah. Well, that, that sounds like it got would be a reasonable fired. accommodation. So they got or, fired because for medical reasons they couldn't be successful with the CPAP. They were then fired for you know noncompliance with their CPAP, and then they don't meet their DOT medical, where there were medical reasons that hadn't been addressed. So they were fired because the doctors hadn't finished the treatment right, and then were trying to go back and get their DACs cleaned up. Well, okay, the the DAC issue is a separate issue. The firing okay. tip a, a firing. Courts are not super HR departments. So if a driver is unable to be medically qualified, there's nothing that would violate the law that requires the motor carrier to stop from firing them if they can't meet the medical qualifications of the job with a correction. Okay? So well, again, uh, you know, part of what EEOC has told us, the motor carrier may have to make a reasonable accommodation of sure. offering a non-driving job until such time as they're medically able to resume the driving job. Does that seem legit? Uh, it, it, it can under a recent decision involving UPS from the U.S. Supreme Court that dealt with uh, issues of accommodating people. It depends what they do with other people who are, not, who are disqualified for other reasons. In other words, who, you need to treat people similarly with with disabilities or other medical disqualifications. That is going to be a fact dependent situation. Depending, you know, that that would require several hours to sit and discuss. But yeah, that's going to depend there, on the fact okay. situation. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about DAX with John? With respect. Yes, to that DAX would be now? very helpful. Okay. Well, what? Uh, it, if you can explain again what the issue is with DAC reports on, on, and sleep apnea. Again, the, the cases I've dealt with have been a driver was terminated for cause for uh, noncompliance on CPAP. The reasons for noncompliance on CPAP were medical and were able to be corrected, but the driver still has this negative DAC entry that is preventing them from getting hired. Any thoughts on where to how to approach those? Well, is the reporting is it objectively misleading? Again, um, an example would be the 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 actual data for diagnosing of having sleep apnea was medically disputed. So the the whole issue started out with the guy might not have needed to be on CPAP to begin with. Another case was um, the guy was not, he was not compliant on CPAP because the carrier refused to make reasonable accommodations and let him idle the truck to be able to power the CPAP. So then he was not compliant and they fired him. So in those well, cases. Wow. Keep in mind that there, there's three magic words and that's, um, maximum possible accuracy. So is that reporting, is it is it accurate? I think that's what you need to keep in mind when looking at these cases. 
So, so then if, your if advice would be have these firing. drivers reach out to you to ensure that both sides of the story are reported in the DAC report? I, I would think so. Okay. I mean, well, the firing guy, would not be inaccurate, though. Well, can, can I ask a question, Bob? Hang in there, um, I, because to me this is a little a little odd uh, that they're not allowed to put an inverter in for the CPAP machine. Um, perhaps maybe because it's not uh, officially a regulation. And but no, if the, they're, the, 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 we've had uh-huh. the EEOC has backed us up and in informal mediation ordered carriers to install inverters. So we haven't had this problem for a couple of years now, but EEOC's feeling is that sleep apnea is a disability and installing an inverter is a reasonable accommodation. The case, the the specific case did go back, you know, this was about a a 2011, 2012 case, Um, but I've got a recent one where the guy just got fired and, and he probably shouldn't have been because his treatment was the issue. What do you mean his treatment was the issue? He probably didn't have sleep apnea bad enough to need treatment to begin with. Okay, that that should make him happy. I know the end of, yeah. Uh Yeah, I I mean, carriers have the right to fire people for unfair reasons, immoral reasons, uh, false reasons. They cannot fire them for a reason that the law specifically prohibits. So the issue of ADA, I'll take a look, Bob, again, as to whether or not there's been a, a, any change in the case law and whether or not sleep apnea is a qualified disability. Okay? My understanding from past research is that it is not within the meaning of the ADA. Um, and, but if it is, then there has to be a reasonable accommodation. The DAC issue, a discharge would certainly be accurate. If other reasons are put on there, that doesn't ensure that would show that it was that that there's inaccuracy. That's a different issue. Okay, so Got the it. fact is, if some if somebody is not medically qualified, in unfairly medically disqualified, okay, because the doctor didn't know what he was doing, that doesn't mean necessarily that a discharge is is illegal. And it wouldn't mean that a discharge can't be on a DAC report. Thank you very much for the help. You're welcome. All right. Hey, hey, we appreciate it. And uh, all right. Well, listen. I mean, this it's a uh, very uh, you know confusing and and difficult issues for so many drivers. You know, but I mean, let you know we were talking about the uh, writing a, a re- rebuttal to uh, to DAC. Paul, can you touch on that a little bit more about? I mean, that's that's been on there for a long, long time. Drivers write their rebuttals and and you know probably doesn't get it, didn't see anything out of it. How do they write an effective rebuttal for for inclusion on their DAC report? Well, part part of writing a good rebuttal is having good records, and John can deal with more what types of things, you know, how long you should have a, re, a rebuttal and how it should be concise. But part of the things that I always recommend to drivers, and I, I get drivers who call me before they get fired often, um, and I always tell them good records are important. So, for example, there's lots of issues we have where people call me on a um, on an accident, 
preventable versus non-preventable, accident versus incident. And, you know, I, okay, driver, what's going on here? Do you have any photographs? Well, no, I didn't take any. Do you have a cell phone? Well, yeah, then there's no reason not to take photographs. Did you take pictures of the Qualcomm communications to you that when a load got rescheduled and now it's late? Or, you know, when the company told you you could take the, tr the, the truck back when you quit, you could take it back to the terminal in Pomona, and, and they now are claiming you should have taken it to Dallas. I mean, part of having a good rebuttal is having good records, and that means having using your camera to photograph Qualcomm communications, clearly communicating with the carrier, leaving with grace, if you're quitting, leaving with grace and with style. And um, so, you know, that's part of the prevention. But writing a good rebuttal is being concise, being accurate, and having records to substantiate that, not only the rebuttal statement, but your request to DAC for a reinvestigation. Initiating a dispute, having photographs if it's an accident, having copies of communications. If there's a police report that says you're not at fault, having that available. So it's, it's more in the document, from my standpoint, it's more in the documentation than it is in the, the for the request for uh, reinvestigation and, uh, and for the rebuttal than it is in the rebuttal itself. And, and perhaps John can add in about what kinds of things you would want to actually put in a rebuttal statement. Yeah, I and John, also. Better. I, think, I think you, you, you nailed it, Paul. Um, it's just, um, I think the idea is to give them all the information necessary to decide it your way. Well, yeah, well, yeah but, I mean, let, let's take an example. I mean, there's some common, common things carriers use to, to put falsification on the DAC reports. Truck abandonment, quitting under a load, quit without notice. Quitting under a load is one of the biggest things you can do. But let's take the truck abandonment, for example. I mean, just like Paul said, you know, you know, you, I've talked to drivers who have given two week perfect driving record, perfect record with the company. They've given two weeks' notice. They've done everything right. Uh, the carrier tells them to take the truck to uh, a drop yard out on the border of you know South Texas, and they do that. They do everything right, and then they have a truck abandonment on their DAC report. Uh, John, how would a driver? document such a thing because uh you know there's other drivers in the drop yard but they don't want to get involved you can't get a statement from them you ask you ask your uh they ask the dispatcher you know hey can you send me you know confirmation that this is what you want me to do no we don't do that so there how can you how can a, doc, a driver document such a thing if nobody's willing to uh, you know give him the documents that he needs to prove his case Paul, this is maybe a good question for you. Yeah. Uh, well, Alan, I, I think both of us would agree from the standpoint of lawyers. I mean, there's no there's no perfect case. You know, right. um, there's tape recorders. You know, there's in all but 12 states, a driver can tape record without disclosing, and uh, they can contact my firm if they want to know in which states you can and cannot. And, you know, so if the carrier simply refuses to tell you where to drop it, the driver can have logs. Driver should put in, if the driver's going to quit, it's best to give notice because you don't want 
a quit without notice on there and fax in a letter, keep a copy, keep the fax confirmation report. You know, I hereby give notice that I uh, two week notice that I am quitting effective such and such date. Please uh, be prepared to route me to my home terminal by that date. Or uh, if you would, I would uh, prefer to leave earlier if, uh, if I'm allowed to do so. Things of that nature, you know, in this day and age of technology, um, of fax machines, text messages, Qualcomm's, and cameras, there should be no reason why a driver couldn't, um, you know, document that. I, I will tell you one of the things I often get is the driver who's not getting paid. And part, it might be just a, a crappy small carrier who doesn't have any money, or it may be a big carrier that's the driver has been naive enough to enter into a lease purchase program with a trucking company, and he hasn't had a positive paycheck, and he wants to quit and and get home. And the carrier doesn't he gives the two weeks notice, or they still don't get him home, and he wants to go home. You know, I I tell drivers, you know, is it important to keep your DAC report clean, or is it important to be right? You know, they'll tell me this carrier is screwing with me. I'm not getting a paycheck. I, you know, I got to quit tomorrow. And, you know, I said, well, you can quit tomorrow without notice and ruin your career, or you can starve for a couple more weeks. Do you really want to do that? So um, that's more about the issue of prevention. Quit with grace, quit with style, you know, don't burn bridges because you might have to cross those bridge, that bridge tomorrow. So, um, you know, if push comes to shove and there, you know, You've given two weeks' notice, and they want you to stay out another week. Well, you know, that's where you start, you know, continuing right. to document and uh, use the Qualcomm, use your camera. And those are the things that can be really useful in initiating a dispute with DAC and in including in a rebuttal statement. Yeah, be careful about recording. It's a crime in some states. Yeah. Yeah, before yeah. you record, call us. Call us. I mean, I will tell you, northeast states and Illinois, California, and Florida, you cannot record without telling them. But you certainly could tell them you're recording them. Is that all right? And, you know, inform them of that if necessary. But, you know, we have Qualcomms nowadays. Right. That in in most trucks, Qualcomm or PeopleNet, um, with many carriers, at least the ones who are big enough using DAC, and, you know, that's a good and effective way to communicate. And, and, yeah, and I don't know who doesn't have a cell phone nowadays. Just take a photo of that uh, Qualcomm message telling you to drop it at that yard. So it's all about in documentation. One thing I hear, John, too, is, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about the dispute process. Where do you begin, you know? So I guess, you know, you, the, the first place, obviously, is to send a dispute to DAC. Uh, you know, I've talked to some drivers who have sent a dispute to uh you know, the CRA, the credit reporting agency, and they think that that kind of kicks in everything. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the driver's rights under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you know, is now underway. Can you talk a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit uh, the, the difference between the CRA, uh, the credit reporting agency, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, how those two come together in all this dispute process? Sure. Well, you know, I think it's 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 quite simple. All you need to do is um, mail your dispute to DAC. DAC is the CRA. That's really all you need to do. 
Okay, and that starts the ball rolling, correct? I mean, they have to do something about it, even though they haven't in the past is what you're saying. And uh, if they don't, then you're saying just to send another dispute? I mean, at what point, listen, if you know you're right and they haven't proven, the carrier hasn't proven anything, at what point, you know, is this an issue where you tell higher right, no, that's not true, or, or you know what I mean? I think that's the area. At I least would, in my mind, I'm missing that. That I, I would try for at least two or three disputes. Okay. And then what? If it does, if nothing changes, and the driver's absolutely right, what's the next step? Give me a call. <laughs> I mean, talk to a lawyer. You know, if it's if it's a legitimate dispute, you probably mm-hmm. have a cause of action under the FCRA. Okay. Again, we're talking now about... Now, let's say, let's say the driver doesn't even want to bother with it. They just, you know, they have this issue. They don't have time to write or whatever their reason is. Uh, can they call you right from the get-go, you know, or sure. or do they sure. need I, I, to take that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And... I prefer to have the driver send the dispute himself because I want to make sure that they're they have some skin in the game that they're responsible. Because um, they don't if they don't have if they can't write a dispute, you know, I that's just basic. I think. Okay. Well, let's say John, you know. I think John. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Paul. Uh, I'm thinking, well, I, I, Paul, I think you know what I'm thinking? You asked a... Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just thinking of drivers who aren't comfortable writing. They don't know how to express themselves as well sure, as I, they'd I like that. to. So in that, in that situation, I, I would help, I guess, I would assist in the writing. Some lawyers call it ghostwriting. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure I'm dealing with somebody who's... Um, Responsible. Okay. Yeah, we, Paul, were you going to add to that? Too. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think what John and I are both saying is that probably the best time to contact a lawyer is, you know, before you do something. It's even, you know, I have the best cases I've had are ones where drivers are getting pressured, say, to break the law and with respect to the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations, and they call me and I can tell them, well, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to report. I think what John is saying is that the driver needs to be invested in his own case and be willing to make some effort. As he and I both have had cases where people get involved and they want the lawyer to do all the work, and next thing you know, the driver has a disconnected phone number, no mailing address, okay? And Mm -hmm. uh, that has happened. Uh, with much too frequency, too much uh, frequency, um, and but John, you know, I think the best time is to contact. They should contact John on these inaccuracies or my firm, and we can sort of dictate. Hey, this is what you need to write, short and sweet. Can you type? Mm-hmm. And that, okay, here's what I want. Here's what I want you to put down, and rather than having us write it for them. Uh, and then they initiate the dispute. But we help them, and, and we can look early on. Well, you know, if they call me and said, well, I have a non-preventable accident. I said, well, what happened? Well, I slid on some black ice. 
I said, well, how long have you been driving in the bad weather? And they might tell me four hours. And I said, well, you know, maybe it's preventable because you shouldn't have been out on the road in the first place. I mean, we do run those so we can screen whether or not we think they can be successful in initiating a dispute. So I think it would be good for them to call John early. And, you know, particularly when you have things like a other or company policy violation, things that are clearly inaccurate or not totally accurate. They're lacking in complete accuracy because the terms are vague, and, and that's a, a good time to, um, to call. Well, yeah, if they check... I, I look at all the letters before they send it, so normally I'll tell them, you know, what to write and then, or how to write a letter, and then I have them email it to me. I, I take a look at it before they send it. And one reason why um, I think lawyers want to avoid directly writing the letter is the lawyer can make himself a witness. Mm-hmm. By doing that, that, that means they're off the case. Okay. Yeah. So you'll help them with and, the... And, and um, if the law, yeah. Yeah, no, no. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I think what happens is is that if the lawyer's writing the letter, the company's lawyering up. <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. and if the lawyer is is writing the letter for the client and the client signs it, it looks like the lawyer wrote it and the company lawyers up. You're much mm-hmm. much more likely to get something resolved before the lawyers intervene. I mean, not saying we can't. You know, lawyers are an an issue are uh, you know a last resort. I don't want to imply that we're not looking for work. We're always willing to help, or at least look at helping but um you know oftentimes just initiating that dispute can cause the correction okay well it's all a matter of using the expertise of an attorney that's involved in actual trucking you know so i mean this is a this is what you know you mentioned that at the very beginning of the show you know and not every attorney i i i agree with you totally can do this they have to have some experience like you guys in trucking John, let me ask you here real quick, too, because I was curious about this. Uh, I saw this statement. uh, um, I mean, more about the privacy laws for drivers as they concern, as it concerns their DAC report. I mean, I I see a term, unauthorized pulls of a driver's DAC report. I mean, can any carrier pull a driver's DAC report? Or what is an unauthorized pull of a DAC report for a driver's? Great, great question, and it is uh, a violation to pull uh, a consumer report without prior authorization. So I think, you know, Paul, I think you had a prior case, didn't you, where they pulled a DAC report? It was an impermissible yes. pull? Right. So, for instance, let's say it's a former, it's a former employer. They don't have a right to, to access that DAC report. Well, see, uh, that surprised me. I thought I thought any any motor carrier, well, a former employer. I, can, they the the, can they pull? Can they can they pull? Can they pull their own DAC report on the driver? Oh, versus what what's happened? I, you know, if they're going to make a correction, I would assume John that they could pull it if it's their own DAC report. But if it's they can't pull a complete DAC report on a former employee. Well, Paul, and I, you mean, I have I. What, what were the facts in your case? Well, it was a, the driver, they pulled the DAC report after he left employment. And actually, they did it in the context of litigation. 
they found out that my clients, my client had, we had a claim already alleging an illegal termination. And they came in as part of discovery and produced a copy of what they had pulled after he had left employment. And it wasn't just their own DAC report on that driver. I mean, because, I mean, that's their report. But they pulled all his employment history prior to his employment and all, all with them and all his, his um, employment after they left them. Now, certainly that might be the type of stuff that subject to discovery, where have you worked since, you know, you were fired and things like that. But it was completely an unauthorized poll. I said, how did you get this? Well, we pulled it. I said, by what right? So, I mean, the polls are, are um, something that the Fair Credit Reporting Act deals with. I haven't dealt with unauthorized poll, polls. As, as I said, I've traditionally dealt with employment law in the context of trucking. And John has indicated that, you know, these unauthorized polls are something that is actionable and something, frankly, you know, after 30 years of practicing trucking law, I was not a, aware of. All right, so I'm still a little confused what an authorized pool is. I mean, if you if you apply yeah. as an employee, if, if you if you apply it to a carrier for a job, you're applying for a position. They have the right to pull your DAC. They need your if you've authorized. They need your your express authorization. Oh, you, they, oh, oh, okay. Well, I'm learning something. Yep. I mean, so they still need your yeah. permission to pull their DAC. Absolutely, absolutely. Because it, it can result in a class action. I see those all the time now. Um, there are specific guidelines pre-employment where they have to have, um, you know, I, I see that, you know, when, when a truck driver applies for a position online, there's an application. The disclosure to access okay. the consumer report has to be in its own separate page, and it has to be conspicuous and uh, separated from all the other language that's in the application. Okay, okay. I've seen that disclosure yeah, they, myself. Okay, I'm with you now. They can't go willy-nilly pulling DAC reports on prospective employees uh, or past employees without an express written authorization. And, well, doesn't and the company... Go ahead, Don. The most common, doesn't the company... Doesn't the company that uh, – don't they request who are you, uh, why are you pulling it, is this for a job, or can anybody request it and then uh, Higher Right just sends it to them and they don't bother asking the questions, do you have the right to pull the sack? John? That's a good question. And um, – uh, I haven't litigated that issue yet. Most of the times, I was going to mention, the most common type of impermissible poll outside of um, DAC reports is when a consumer files for bankruptcy and then post-discharge, an old creditor like Capital One um, pulls the credit report. That's an automatic impermissible poll, and I think it's actually it's a willful violation, meaning there's potential uh, punitive damages. Well, it, any, any poll without written authorization is an improper poll. 
But does it hire right place some responsibility requesting proof that they are allowed? Where is the signature to pull this? Is are they do they have any responsibility at all in this whole process? I think they do. I'm not absolutely sure, but I think in all these cases, you want you don't want higher right to be the only defendant because it it sounds like they're in bankruptcy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right, Paul? They're in a chapter. They're in a chapter eleven reorganization. Are they? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, no, they're in a chapter. Well, they may have confirmed a plan, but right now, my understanding is that they're in a in a chapter eleven reorganization. Um, oh, well, let's let's hope it don't work out for them and they go out of business. Uh, you know that might that would really remove a. Um, <laughs> I, 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 this is public. Uh, let me put it this way: it, I think it would help the industry because I think oh, it yeah. would get carriers to rethink. I mean, you, the, understand the motor carrier has a legal obligation on a new hire to do a background check, but uh, I think simply relying upon higher right um, to do right. that background check is. Uh, well, they they they're not allowed to rely solely on higher right, but I think it might be a good thing if they didn't hang around. But you know, I think they've been a, a real uh, stain. I think they've been a stain on the industry for the last twenty years. Oh, and, um, big time, big time. It, 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 at least, but you know, it, it's important that drivers know their rights, and uh, it's good that you have shows like this. I'm, I'm not sure we brought a lot of clarity to it, except that to state that if the information is inaccurate. The drivers have rights. We can't fix John and or I can't fix every DAC report. Um, there will always be issues of whether something is accurate or not accurate. But if there's proof that it's inaccurate, or if the DAC report lacks clarity, such as things that work record, other company policy violation, um, you know, things of work record unsatisfactory. Things like that are are really vague, and and, um, under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which is the area John practices in, those that they're supposed to assure maximum accuracy. And I can't remember the exact term John used, but you know these drivers have remedies. Are we going to be able to help them all? No. Can we help some? Yes. And if we help some, it will get in time carriers and credit reporting agencies to change their conduct. So let me just uh, confirm this then for our listeners. If they have checked off a box other, do they, and then the driver <clears throat> files um, a dispute, okay? Uh, and now is it up to the company to explain what that other means? Yeah, they have to verify. They have to say what, what that was, correct? Cor- correct. Okay. Now, other is not other is not an accurate term. Mm-hmm. Other other doesn't tell anybody anything other than that they're being marked for avoidance. The Department of Labor is disguised as a a blacklist, as anything that marks some, an employee or prospective employee for avoidance, and that's what the term other is. And the Fair Credit Reporting right. Act says, in credit re- reports. Consumer reports, excuse me. It is a, it, 
despite the fact that it's called the Fair Credit Reporting Act, it covers all consumer reports, that they have to ensure maximum accuracy and other is simply not accurate. We don't know whether that means that the, the driver didn't wash his hands after using the company lavatory or whether or not the, the driver, you know, tested positive for drugs. It marks him for avoidance, which is a blacklist and also is simply, we believe as attorneys, we believe the courts will agree that that information does not assure maximum accuracy and violates the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And and that form that says other, is that the form that um, Higher Right has created, or is this an industry standard form? No, it's Higher Rights. It, and it, it's all done by computer. Well, I don't know that it's all done. Higher Right used to have a handwritten form, and you checked a box. And they had a category for types of equipment operated. You could check tractor, trailer, doubles, whatever, tanker, flatbed, you know, States-driven and regional, 48 states, local, you know, whatever it is. And then they had boxes that said work record. Now this is done by computer. And one of the boxes in work record is other. You know, it might be unsatisfactory or mm -hmm. excellent or satisfactory. And then it's it's other. And so wouldn't so this, it, this it whole is, problem these are be, be – These are online – go ahead, Donna. It, wouldn't this whole problem be, uh, uh, you know – remedied by next to other and then it says explain yes and have them explain mm -hmm. it just has to be specific you know other is not specific right I, that's what i'm saying right. that's why i asked if higher right created this form if right. they're if they have to address this over and over and over again with with drivers then shouldn't the light bulb go off and say, okay, we need to put where it says other, need to explain or, yeah, well, or they, something like that? They probably know that, but they're not going to do it until they get a court order or something. So. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, and, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. No, well, I, 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 you're right. And, and, go ahead, John. I just said if they hit, get hit with the class action, they might change. Yeah. Right, and, and this is something I, you know. I've been remiss on this. I, I had and, until I, John and I got acquainted with each other uh, professionally. It's something that, for the most part, and I thought, well, I'm a one-person firm, and I can help some drivers. But it was something I threw up my hands in frustration over. And uh, John has, uh, thankfully, it, and he's 20 years younger than me. I'm 58, and I sort of got set in my ways. And he's enlightened me with regard to. You know, the Fair Credit Reporting Act empowering, having the ability to empower drivers. Right. Well, I mean, that's great, and that's the key. And drivers, you know, Paul, you and I, we've talked before, drivers are learning more and more about their rights. And, uh, you know, that's what this show is all about. They do have rights. They need to implement them. But, but if they contact you or John, they're gonna, they need to be committed and, and in there with the long haul. Yes. So... Hey, listen, I think uh, appreciate y'all. Uh, well, wait a minute. I've got somebody who wants a. Uh, oh, are you getting a message? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting or? a Facebook message, and they can't get on to ask their questions. So yeah, I'm we answering got, we got them a, now. We've got a ton of listeners. There's probably no line. Oh, we have 50 lines, but I. I okay, I let me just tell them know. to click one. They probably can't get through. Well, you know what it is? People don't realize. A lot of people might want to. Blog Talk Radio has changed it where people don't know that they have to click one when they're on the line, so I just told them on Facebook that. Well, there's a, 
ton of listeners all across the U.S. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. What's your question over there? Um, I'm waiting for them. I just answered oh. them to to click one. <laughs> oh, oh, are they on? Yeah, they. She said, "I'm listening right now. How are you supposed to ask questions?" What's a, what's her area code? Um, I don't know. It's a Facebook message. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Paul. Uh, as we're waiting for that, uh, I, how's everybody get? What's the best way people get a hold of you? You want to give out your uh, website, your phone number, whatever you want to give out? Sure. Uh, m- mine is. Uh, website's www.truckersjusticecenter.com. We're also on Facebook as at uh, Truckers Justice Center Facebook page. My phone number is 651-454-5800, and I enjoy talking to drivers. And uh, John can provide his information if that's all right. Oh, yeah. John, what's uh, what's the best way for drivers to get a hold of you? FixMyDackReport.com. Uh, my phone number is... 715-379-0744. My email is john, J-O-N, at staniclawoffice.com, and stanick is S-T-A-N-E-K. Okay, great. And, again, we have links up in our show uh, show also as well. Did you get a response, Donna? Um, nope. I've uh, just said they're listening maybe, you know, I'm okay. not sure. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, joining us Saturday. Saturday, Really appreciate it. All good information and everything. And we will stay in touch. And anything I, anything Don and I can do for you guys, let us know. Okay. Very good. Thanks. Thank All you. Right. Good night. Thanks, Paul and John. And have a have a great rest of the uh, weekend. And uh, all right, Donna, you had some announcements and things you want to give out too here after the break? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll do that. After this break, we'll come back and we'll wrap up this broadcast of Ask the Trucker Live. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it truckertotrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. Truckertotrucker.com. Check it out. That's truckertotrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503.
Okay, Donna, a lot of things going on in the industry. What's going on? Okay, well, first I want to give a big shout-out to our um, latest partners for Trucking Social Media and Ask the Trucker. And it goes out to uh, Monica Jenkins over at Truck Driver Law. Um, Welcome, Monica, to the team. And also to Jeff and Jan Roach over at Brook Transportation Training. And uh, they're our latest uh, trusted partners over at um, Trucking Social Media and then Ask the Trucker. And um, if you want, uh, there's been a whole redesign over at Trucking Social Media, and we recommend you uh, you take a look at the site. It's a hub of information and resources uh, for the trucking industry. There's a resource page. Um, we really promote people to, you know, if you know a, a, a great site, that can edify the trucking community, uh, and you want it added to that resource page, by all means, uh, send us an email or go to the contact page on trucking social media and say, hey, here's a great blog or website. It has a lot of great information uh, for, for truckers or the trucking community, and um, and we'll put it up there. We've put about five up uh, this week alone we've we've added five more sites up there so uh, take a look around on uh, the resource page now on the partners page uh, like i said we um we have some great partners um i'm just going to give a, a shout out to everybody lone mountain trucker to trucker trucker justice center and then we have find a trucker trucker lawyers uh heart smart highway um warhorse media historical armory Freightliners, Team Run Smart, Transport Watch, DOTAuthority.com, um, Small Business and Transportation, Gear Armor, the um, TCRG Consulting, Road Tested Living, Doc on Call, ATBS, uh, and uh, and PTAG. So uh, thank you, everybody. These are right now our trusted partners. We don't have the banners up yet for uh, Truck Driver Law or for uh, Brook Transportation Training, but they should be up uh, this week uh, on the page. So take a look over to um, truckingsocialmedia.com, and also, of course, Ask the Trucker. It's been up almost 10 years now, and uh, you can enjoy all the articles uh, on there discussing the trucking industry and the things uh, going on within the industry. Um, As far as what's going on, Alan and I were talking about um, the exemption for CR England. Uh, they um, let me let me see under the terms of their exemption, the, a learner's permit holder who has passed the CDLs test may drive a truck and trailer for CR England without a CDL holder in the front seat. Uh, the exemption is good for two years. And this will allow CR England to run the new driver and the experienced driver as a team until they're routed to the new driver's home, uh, home state, to pick up his or her license. And and this, we, you know, when we were talking about this um, today, it's so unbelievable that for years people were just complaining about a brand new driver out of school, say three weeks, who really doesn't know how to drive, is in a in a uh, a truck with a trainer while the trainer is sleeping in the back. And now, Alan, what this is saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, that, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, even though 
thousands of comments have come in complaining about that. What we're saying is you don't even have to have your license in your hand as long as you pass the skills test. That trainer can go sleep in the back, and you're good to go on the road. Yeah, it's kind of of a contradiction uh, to the FMCSA standards of upholding safety. I mean, it's it's a big contradiction. So something something happened there. Well, and and this whole thing with LDAC and trying to find better standards for training – Boy, those people there, their mouths must have been open when they when they when they saw that. Can you can you imagine? I mean, if you're on the committee trying to create better training standards and then this comes cuz this I think was just posted um a few days ago. Yeah. And I tell you what, I mean I know the whole the whole time they're trying to come up with uh nationalized uh, standardized uh CDL training, so it's like I said, it's just a big contradiction to the, to uh, the word safety that you know that we're always hearing from the FMCSA. So it's really odd, uh, and I think it it may be it may prove to be uh, detrimental too as time goes on. You know, who knows? I mean, we already know about you know crashes by new drivers right out of school when the trainer was sleeping in the back. So I, it's going to be something to watch watch out for for sure. Well, you know, what came to my mind too was. Um, you know, they're always asking for studies. Well, before you do something, where's the study? And we've been saying for a long time, there is no study for new drivers, uh, for for crashes and, you know, uh, accident causation, all that. How, how can they uh, legitimately allow this? Number one, people are already upset that the trainers are sleeping in the back and now saying, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, just let well, it go. I, I'm just floored by it myself. The I, thing is, I, I can understand the trainer sleeping in the back because the trainer's a human being. They get tired. They need sleep. They need rest. But it, it all has to do with, you know, they're trying to come up with these CDL standards and it's all about safety, and yet they give they give the – the thumbs up and approval on something that is uh, has been proven to be detrimental to safety. So, you know, yeah. but you can't you can't you know you can't blame the driver. He can't the trainer. He can't stay up twenty four seven. He's got to sleep sooner or later. But that's when the truck should both stop and they should both be resting. Right. Well, that's the way I I thought, and I think a lot of people, like the general public, I don't think the general public realizes that this is what goes on. I mean, half of them think that they sleep in a motel every night. They don't even know they sleep in their truck. No, they don't have a clue. So, I mean, and the the, the safety people, um, the safety groups like Pat and Crash and all that, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if, if they're just, you know, in a stupor reading this, if they're just with their mouths open, because <laughs> they well, they should know. be appalled. But anyway. It's going to be interesting to see how this oh, plays I, out. It'd be real interesting. Um, okay, well, I couldn't figure out why this uh, sheet I'm holding is all a blur until I realized I didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. What else? Oh, speed limiters. Oh, my goodness. Well, now, that, there's there's another topic. Of course, the proposed rule isn't out yet, but um, I guess it's going to be coming out. It's going to be coming out soon. FMCSA and um, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, they've joined forces, 
and the proposal was submitted for review to the White House Office of Management and Budget, which is OMB. And uh, OMB review is uh, typically the final step before a proposed rule is published in the Federal Register, and they are expecting that to happen this fall. So um, that's another another big controversy out there. Um, I mean, we've had shows about speed limiters, and man, that was about five years ago. I think it was, uh, or we've written about it, or you've written about it, and uh, everybody's against it. And the only one I know, Alan, that's for it is the ATA, and saying it's going to make the road safer and uh, all this other nonsense. And everybody else saying, no, it's just going to level the playing field for you guys. So uh, that's... Talk to the drivers, they'll tell you. Yeah, well, that's just it. They're they're dangerous because they allow, I mean, you know, any driver knows that has a speed limiter, you know, governed down or whatever. And, you know, you get jammed up with the cars and the cars and the four-wheelers and trucks gets jammed up and, and it's just... You know, one guy's trying to pass somebody else. It, it takes them five miles to pass a guy. It, it, it's dangerous, and you know. But I'm, I'm going to bet that they're probably going to pass it, mm-hmm. and just by looking at their their record for this word safety that they use. But it, it, it's a bad deal. But you know, hopefully they'll, maybe they won't. We'll just see. Well, well, here here's what I have to say about that. They have a, a 60 day comment period, right? Now, we were talking about Sierra England before. They had their comment period over over there. And um, most of the comments, and we we talked about this before too, most of the comments were against allowing that exemption for Sierra England. I mean, and and so you say to yourself, okay, they're going to have a comment period. Why? I mean, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, what is there something going on under the table? I mean, it really doesn't make any sense because the FMCSA. I mean, I always looked at them. You know, they they were the giant for safety. That's what that's what they're for, safety, and that clearly isn't safety. So now you just kind of have to step back and reevaluate. I mean, really, what's going on, and why would they do such a thing? And um, and then then there's the uh, other uh, proposal for the insulin exemption, and we're having a show on the twenty uh, seventh, uh, I believe. Yes, the twenty seventh with Dr. Rosarian and Elaine Papp. Yeah, that's and show. they're going to talk about the insulin uh, exemption, where you know people use if they're on injectable insulin. Right, experts. Uh, only experts on acid trucker life. Yeah, they are experts they too. Are. I, I mean, Elaine Papp, you it's know, like was the, one the we had on now. They are experts. And medical chief uh, was the medical uh, chief for FMCSA, and uh, Dr. Rosarian. I mean, he's he, a, he's he, an award-winning DOT examiner in the state of New York. Yes, and he's been on our show before talking about diabetes and. Uh, very well respected. So this is going to be a, a very good show on the 27th as we talk about the pros and cons of this um, waiving the exemption uh, for insulin-treated diabetics. And, I mean, a lot of drivers are going to be very happy. But on the other hand is, it, well, we're going to talk about the cons. Um, there's actually an article up on North American Trucking Alerts, where both Elaine uh, 
and Dr. Rosarian discussed this uh, topic. So you can go to NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, and they both have an article up there right now. Yeah, they work together on that. And they're both advisory councils uh, over at North American. Uh, so uh, really, it's a, they're both very good reads, and I think you'll enjoy them both. Um, so that that's a show on the 27th, and that's another thing out of the FMCSA. So uh, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff. Of course, let's see. Um, the House passed the, um, let's see, the, the $55 billion 2016 DOT appropriations bill. Um, it included in it the HOS rollback. It also included, um, would permit the use of 33-foot double trailers, and it it didn't allow the minimum amount of liable uh, insurance required by uh, federal motor carriers. It didn't go with the increase for that. Yeah, they didn't increase it. Right. So anyway, um, but it hasn't gone to the Senate, and um, President Obama said that he would veto it because of safety. So that's a whole other issue uh, that, you know, you can read about. It's all over the Internet. And I'm trying to see if there's anything else here. Oh, uh, this was an interesting article. North Carolina troopers are ordered to catch truckers napping. And that's a that's a wild one. Um can you imagine? I mean, napping on the ten-hour break. <laughs> well, they're saying that you know if they're caught on the ramps on the ramp, or something, yeah. they're going to, I guess, enforce it, or they're they're actually going to go. I mean, it almost looks like a witch hunt the way it was written. You well, know the thing I mean? is, parking on the ramp is very dangerous. I mean, for the general public and for that driver. But if there's not enough parking spaces, what do they want the driver to do? Right. You know, so it's the catch twenty-two. For the driver, for the troopers, for, you know, for everybody. But you know, it's it, 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 it's the one of the, uh, another big problem in the industry. You know, we talk about this shortage of parking and everything. But you know, when you're tired, you're tired. Well, there's the other thing too of if you've run out of hours and you are really exhausted, is it what's more dangerous? And I'm asking you because I've never driven. If you're really, really tired, is it more dangerous to keep going? to go, let's say, another 20 miles to find parking? Or is it more dangerous to be on the ramp? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it's more dangerous to keep going. And, you know, it doesn't, I don't well, I won't say it doesn't happen a lot. I don't know how much it happens. But I have seen, you know, the, the four-wheeler who's tired, who, who's flying through there and runs right into the rear end of the trailer of the who's parked on the parked on the ramp, you know, and the whole family is killed. And, and I mean, so it's a, it's a tough situation, but you know it, they're going to have to do something in these areas, these states, certain states, not every state, but certain states within the country that needs more parking. And and I, I can see I can see the side of the troopers. It's about safety, but it, you said it yourself. What's what's safer? Going going ahead and getting off as much as you can on that ramp, or. Uh, or keep going. Obviously, they have to stop, but it, it, it's a catch twenty-two. It is a catch twenty-two. It it's a catch twenty-two. You know what? You and know, and I, they I, haven't completed that. Um, no. Nope. That study yet? Uh, that was uh, from Map Twenty One. They nope. told them they had to finish a study on truck parking. I mean, you look at uh, 
Desiree and and Hope and um, Rich and Andy and us, I mean, we all got together. And, of course, Desiree and and Hope did a majority of that that study. Okay, but that was done in within a year without a, what, a million-dollar budget. I mean, this was all volunteer out of the passion of um, doing a survey. And probably bigger than what the DOT will do. What was it, like 3,000 drivers? Uh, I think it was closer to 5,000 drivers. 5,000 drivers. 5, drivers. Survey, and it was handed over to the DOT? Yes. So, I mean, come on. You know, I, what's going on? I, I have no idea. I mean, yeah, we 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 shared that survey around, and 5,000 people uh, answered it. And it was it took a good... 20, 30 minutes to complete that survey. You can go to askthetrucker.com and look on the menu on the top and click truck parking survey. And it'll tell you all the problems with the parking uh, in in the country yeah. right now. Yeah, they're wanting, to, they're wanting the DOT to do a survey. We've already got the survey up on Ask the Trucker. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> and I, I just, again, I mean, I always say this when we talk about this truck parking survey, um, it was a tremendous amount of work. Uh, hats off to uh, Desiree, who did a, a tremendous job in putting that data together. And, and I mean, we all played a part in it, but um, I'd say that Hope Rivenberg, the widow of Jason Rivenberg from Jason's Law, and, uh, and Desiree did a, a good portion of that, uh, of that survey. So take a look, and the detail in it is unbelievable. Um, and, uh, okay, I already announced our show the 27th. And, of course, um, as everybody knows, I've been having um, health shows on Thursdays. Not every Thursday, but um, a good amount of Thursdays. You can go look through the archives. We've been covering everything from GMOs to how to start a new health regime, how to lose weight what to do, what not to eat, and what to replace it with. I mean, you name it, and we've covered it. And uh, just go through the archives, look at the titles, and uh, if you're really interested in learning about your health, we've had guests and discussions and all kinds of things that we talk about. So that's Thursday night. And then we have our Saturday nights now um, discussing the trucking situations. Now, as far as Dr. Rosarian and Elaine Papp go, even though that's a – sort of a health show it's more on the regulatory end so that's why we're having that show about the um insulin exemption waiver on a saturday night so um i'm really looking forward to that uh i i bet i don't know if bob stanton's still listening but i know i know he's going to enjoy that show too um as for i'm just check bear with me i'm just looking through a few things here I think we've covered them all tonight, Alan. Um, you got a lot of stuff going on, really, when you look. Yeah, it, it really is. So uh, you got it all in there. I think so. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking now, and I think we covered it all either during the show or, or just now. So okay. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, sounds good. Appreciate you tuning in, and uh, special thanks again to Attorney Paul Taylor of Truckers Justice Center. Visit him over at truckersjustice.com. And first time on the show, it was a pleasure, Attorney John Stanick of Stanick Law Firm. And you can find him at StanickLawOffice.com. And he is also uh, he also has the website 
fixmydacreport.com. So be sure to check that out. A lot of great information. And uh, they are out there to help the truckers, and they can do so because they have the expertise. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, everyone. And uh, I guess, Donna, well, we'll probably have a show before the 21st, right? Yes. What is today? Yes, we're going to have one either Thursday or Saturday. We're, yeah. We're talking with a couple of different people, so we haven't really narrowed it down yet. So and we we'll don't, get we're, back. we're not ready to announce uh, our little thing that we're going to be doing that's going to be pretty cool, huh? The uh, Donna, the, uh, the the video thing. The, we're not ready to do that, right? Interview. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can announce. That. Okay, yeah, I think that's <laughs> going to be cool. So go ahead. Okay, um, over at Trucking Social Media, you'll notice there's a lot of videos up there that people submit. And actually, Alan, I'm glad you brought that up because um, we I didn't were talking. in trouble. I didn't know if I was supposed <laughs> to. <or not>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, you can submit your videos right on the page. You know, you look around. You'll see advocacy, CDL life, different categories, trucker health. And if you have a video, you could submit it. But what Alan's doing now is he's um, doing interviews with people uh, via Skype, and we have a, a few people lined up right now to um, do interviews. And then we can uh, we'll be posting those videos also. So Skype video interviews. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's going to be with those in the industry, whether you have uh, uh, within our circle of trust. We've got to call, throw that in there. Right, and it's going to be those who have uh, maybe a product or a service, or uh, they have a solution for one of the many uh, problem issues in the industry. But those are going to be our Skype video uh, interviews that we're going to be shooting out across uh, social media networks, and that's going to be coming up real soon uh, with uh, TrackingSocialMedia.com. Go ahead, Don. Oh yeah, and if uh, there's a contact form on that website, so um, send us, shoot us an email right through that contact form, and if you have a, a solution to a problem or a product or service that's going to um, help the trucking industry, like I said, trucking social media, it, the goal is to be an information hub of trusted and quality information. So just send us an email. And we'll get back to you. But, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Alan. That is exciting. Yeah, that's going to be good, good and cool. And uh, and that's just one other thing that we're doing here. So, all right. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great rest of the weekend. And we will catch you uh, next time uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio. You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins. Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening.
Well, the truck went left, but the trailer threw right, and I saw my life flash before my eyes. I'm just trying to make a living, running the road, loving my family from a cell phone. Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand. Lord, have mercy on the the trucking brand. Fighting the wheel And the next thing I know I hit the sidewalk And over I go Falling so fast I had no time to scream Burning hot metal Flying all around me Well I laid there for a minute Living out of my head Not knowing if I was alive or dead The highway patrol said Let me give you a hand and he laughed and said, son, you better check your pants. I'm just trying to make a living, running the road, loving my family from a cell phone. Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand. Lord, have mercy on the, the trucking brand. at me and my burning rig checked out the damage that was done to the bridge feeling a little crazy and dizzy in the head barely heard the words that officer said ten thousand dollar fine and your CDL is gone better call your mama to come take you home three million miles and never a glitch the four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist I'm trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands Can't get no helping hand Lord, have mercy on the, the trucking Trucking brain. 